I have, I'm on record saying that 2023 has been the most impactful year in Bitcoin history, period. And I think it's because the combination of Noster and inscriptions. And I don't actually give a shit about NFTs whatsoever. The idea that there is this new element to Bitcoin's base chain economic incentives that are getting miners this excited and that gives people this amount of flexibility in what they can do with Bitcoin and is attracting this much outside talent and interest into Bitcoin is extremely, extremely bullish. This is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, a show where average Joe firefighters explore the most important monetary technology of the 21st century. We talk Bitcoin, we talk finance, and we talk shit. Hey, thank you for joining us here again. In this episode, we chat with CK, General Manager of Bitcoin Magazine, and Chris Alamo, Multimedia Producer at Bitcoin Mag. These gentlemen and the rest of the Bitcoin Magazine team are making the magic happen behind the scenes for the Bitcoin conference in Miami. We talk about what is going down in Miami this May, as well as covering some of the newest tech in Bitcoin. There are some interesting Olympic games afoot, and I hear that there is a whole Bitcoin on the line for the winner. We get into Noster, Zapping, and Dick Pick Ordinals. And I have to tell you from experience, if you haven't made the pilgrimage to the Bitcoin conference in Miami, you need to. This is the best opportunity for networking and meeting people in Bitcoin that you are likely to get. If you want to break into this industry, you need to be in Miami. When you've been holding Bitcoin as long as Dan and I have, you come to realize that you do not want to store your Bitcoin with a runner-up signing device. That's why Dan and I use Cold Card Mark IVs to store our Bitcoin. Cold Card can be used by a complete noob, and it will teach you a lot about how Bitcoin works. And as you progress, you'll appreciate all the options and incredible security model that you have at your disposal. The cold card is the standard by which all signing devices are measured. And it is that way for a reason. CoinKite has recently announced the CoinKite Q1. This is a cold card with the addition of a QR reader and a full keyboard. The next step in cold storage perfection. Use our code BCB to get 5% off the Mark IV. Or use our link in the show notes to get 5% off anything in the CoinKite store. Tickets to the Bitcoin conference in Miami are not getting cheaper. We can help you out with 10% off if you use our coupon code BCB23, and we will be in Miami, and we'd love to hang out and have a beer with you. Use our code BCB23, and we'll see you in Miami. Alamo, CK, uh, welcome back in, gentlemen. CK, you were asking a second ago, is this a, a one-beer show, a two-beer show, or a three-beer show? Uh, we want you slurring by the end of uh, this hour, so <laughs> I have at it, dude. Yeah, you'd only be the second guy on the show that's ever done that. So, and if you, I was the guy. I was the other one. Hopefully, I can handle three beers, but you know, we'll see by the end of the show. I, I wait. We're gonna throw out trivia. I'm not gonna spoil it, Josh. I won't say this. Are we gonna divulge this now? Or, or I don't it- know. I don't want to say the episode, but if you know, if you're a regular listener, <laughs> we want you to send us an email. Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast at Gmail or tag us on Twitter, DM us, and tell us which show you think Josh got hammered in. Like, we've done 98 of them. Slurring words. It took me like three times the normal amount of time to edit the episode because it was so bad. I had to cut massively (laughs) out of it. Like, there were just, 
diatribes I went on that made no sense that were completely cut out. So yeah, shit if you got, know what show that was. real. Like I realized about 20, 30 minutes into the episode, like Daniel, you got to, Dan, you got to put your big boy pants on and take over here because this could get sideways. Um, yeah, if you know what it is, let us know. We're not going to, I'm not going to, you know, embarrass you too much, Josh, but which one of our 98 no, episodes I'm owning it. I'm not was he hammered in? How are you guys? Doing well. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure being here. Uh, yeah, love your show. Listen to it every week. Thanks, guys. We we listen to you, both of you, a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been enjoying the the cosmic angle, CK, going cosmic. Uh, what's We're going to put you on the spot right away. What's your favorite chat you've had getting cosmic so far? Oh, man. Uh, I, I think I'm biased on this one just because I've been a huge, like, uh, Aaron Segal stand for a long time, but uh, I think he was like the second or third guest. Uh, he wrote my favorite Bitcoin article, which is Bitcoin Information Theory. You can find that on Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, but it's your favorite re- Bitcoin article? Yeah, it's my my favorite Bitcoin article. Bold statement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even check this I one first, out. I haven't heard of this. When one. I first read it, I I literally DM the guy and I was like, Yo, yo, what? Like, what? How did you think of this shit? Um, so. Like he's he's a very cosmic individual, uh, very well seeped in history and that kind of stuff. So it was a great conversation. Yeah, we we only have cosmic people on this show, CK. It's like <laughs> it's one of the the main tests you have to pass. In our mind, are you cosmic? Um, wow, I haven't heard of that article either, Josh. We're gonna link that in the show notes. Yeah, we're gonna have to read that one, and we'll yeah, we'll definitely link it. So, what was the gentleman's name who wrote the article? Aaron Seagal. Okay. Noted. You're about to go on vacation too. You're about to get completely out of Dodge. How does, uh, how does that work with running the business? Is that even going to be possible for you to fully unplug CK? We're going to see, uh, honestly though, like guys like, like Chris and, and other folks on the team that, uh, that manage teams themselves, you know, they're machines. Like they, they are operating, I can't tell you how many times I like go onto our company Slack on like a random Saturday at like 4 p.m. So like the, you know, the evening and like people are actively on there, like talking about Bitcoin, talking about work, doing whatever. Uh, You know, we have a really awesome culture here and guys like Chris, like, you know, that lead a cohort of people. uh, They're a big part of that. So we have great like middle management and blessed because I can take a vacation and, uh, you know, I, I very much appreciate it. Haven't even hit that yet. I have like a pretty stacked calendar right now, uh, just trying to get through and make sure I don't drop any balls. But, you know, 79 days until the conference. I don't know when this is airing, but, uh, you know, we, we're we grinding to get to the Bitcoin 2023. And uh, yeah, we just have an awesome team. So uh, hats off to them. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about the event. I mean, Either of you guys have anything top of mind that you're like, holy shit, this is the thing that I really want to tell everybody about, or what are, what are some of the main speakers? What are some of the, the, uh, events? I know, uh, I think I missed it. Was it either 2019 or 2020 where you guys had like a dumpster of (laughs) some hyperinflated money? I want to hear about something like that. Like what's going on at 2023. That's going to top the dumpster fire of fiat money. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that was B21. I was not there, but I heard stories about it. So CK can refer to that. But the thing that I'm really excited, the thing that I'm excited for is uh, Bitcoin games. So we're kind of like knocking off of, you know, the kind of like the Olympics 
and uh, it's in a competition for one whole Bitcoin. So I don't know why oh, what our shit. company was or what our company was thinking, giving away general. Like, wait, wait, wait. Seats, what do we have seats? to do? What exactly? I will. You won't believe what I'll do to win one entire Bitcoin. Like, <laughs> All what right, dicks I can, do I can we tell need you. to suck to get this thing? Yeah, we could play the game. Like, would you ever? But yeah, I w there's not a lot I wouldn't do for that. Yeah. Wait. So, Chris, you, uh, you, you kind of give the general concept, and I'll go through the games. Yeah, so basically it's uh, a bunch of Bitcoin meetups competing for one whole Bitcoin. You know, maybe this is a short-sighted and high time preference move here, giving away one whole Bitcoin. CK, he's famous for saying 37 sats is generational wealth. When you're giving away 100 million sats, it's a lot more generational wealth. <laughs> That's a uh, village or continent uh, wealth there. So um, We're going to end our meetup. <laughs> pretty much. Um, yeah, so CK, if you want to go over the games that we have planned for it, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much the way that it works is that, you know, 47, 42, something along those lines, their meetups uh, submitted a team of four to 12 people. And uh, there are uh, there are six different games, Bitcoin Cornhole, uh, setting up a seed signer. So like a seed signer race, mm -hmm. a match of chess, eating a pizza eating contest, uh, feats of strength, and then family feud and the the winner of the games uh gets a bitcoin for their meetup and uh you know to be invested in their community wow that is going to be viciously competitive that's going to get that's going to get weird it's going to be fun to watch yeah where exactly is this going down like I'm, I'm trying to picture is this outside maybe the venue where you guys usually put the uh the concert and all of that yeah, it's a combination of outside, right outside the venue, uh, in that grassy patch, at least for the cornhole and stuff. Uh, but I think that's kind of going to be the meeting hub for it. CK, you can speak to uh, anything else with it. No, there's going to be a decent amount inside too. So uh, Miami Beach Convention Center is freaking massive. Uh, last year, we kind of like spread the conference out across the entire space. This year, we're kind of bringing it in and really owning the spaces more. And we have like a nice spot for... Uh, most of these competitions in the expo hall. So the expo hall is going to kind of like have a ton of these different activations on top of, you know, having all the businesses in the space there. Uh, but one of them is like this Bitcoin game competition, which is kind of going on throughout the conference. I think you should add an artistic component, just some constructive feedback here. I think you should add a component that's which team can uh, create the best set of balls to affix on the bowl outside the front of the <laughs> oh, yeah. center. I, yeah, you I, know, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Wait, is the bowl going to be back this year? Um, I actually have absolutely no idea. It has not been announced yet. So uh, we'll have to see for that one if the bowl is going to be It's just going to be a giant set of balls. Like the bowl God, removed. <laughs> Just a giant set of brass balls. One of the guys that uh, trolls us on on Twitter, Firehouse Shitter, uh, posted a meme of Josh and I's face uh, as the <laughs> testicles. <laughs> I forget what he used as the as the cock, Josh. But yeah, I know our faces were the balls. I wasn't sure I'm whether sure to be complimented well or offended out, or yeah. No, um, I think we should have been complimented. Yeah. Here, For here's sure. my question with the conference um, before we we kind of get back into the hype. What's like a logistic component to this of organizing a massive event on this scale? Because th this event is is enormous. You guys can kind of quantify for that in the land landscape of financial conferences, but it's it's absolutely huge. You got, I think this year you guys are estimating fifteen thousand guests, tons of speakers, stages, events, sponsors, companies. What's like? Give us a, a little window into what it's like to 
throw and run and plan an event like this? Yeah, should I go for it, Chris, or do you want to yeah, jump yeah, in? Yeah, go for it. You go ahead. So j- just to like not fully answer the question directly and, and kind of give some context, uh, I've been a part of putting on uh, these events since 2019, uh, when we did Bitcoin 2019, and we've literally been learning on the fly because every single year has exploded in growth. Uh, so this year, going back to the same venue, um, you know, kind of being prepared for the scale that uh, the conference is going to be, uh, it's really setting it up for us to have like the best executed, uh, cleanest event yet. I'm really excited to kind of show off what we build. Uh, but ultimately, like this is a 45 person team effort. Uh, we scale up to like 500 people when you kind of count in the people who build it. You know, there's like massive machinery moving huge amounts of equipment in and outside of the building. Um, and, you know, there's security guards everywhere. Like it really is quite an operation. Even just getting a line that gets people in the door, like in an efficient mm-hmm. manner is like no easy task. Uh, so Bitcoin 21, we got flamed for having a line on day one. And that was a learning experience because we've never had 12,000 people at an event before then. It had literally like four or five X on us. So, um, you know, it's hard. It's pretty much, I would say like it takes at least 180 days, but, you know, you kind of have to reserve your venue spot like, you know, 18 months in advance. So, um, you know, it even like I'm right now, I am planning the where we're going to have Bitcoin 2024 and the dates for that. And I'm also like putting in work to like try to get dates and a location for Bitcoin 2025 just so we can get really ahead of it. So, you know, it's just a lot. And, you know, the Bitcoin conference at this point started off in 2019, uh, you know, 1900 people, 2000 people. You know, now we're talking about one of the biggest energy finance consumer uh, electronic uh, events, period, you know, in the entire world. So, um it's definitely grown up a lot. And I think it's like a physical instantiation of Bitcoin too. You know, Bitcoin is just this real big thing that, you know, it's pretty much unignorable at this point. And, you know, it's pretty amazing to see the industry event, you know, get to this like kind of level. Yeah. And, and kind of tacking off what Sika was saying, I was only here for Bitcoin 2022, or that's at least when I started. Um, and the size of the Miami Convention Center, Josh, I know you can talk to it. This place is massive. Uh, is. We live, yeah, we live streamed the main stage or the Nakamoto stage and the mining stage, but we also had three other stages: the Genesis stage, Enterprise stage, and the open source stage. Um, so while it was basically anyone that was virtual saw basically those two main stages. Obviously, we put up the clips later from the other three stages. But logistically, boots on the ground, when you are trying to get speakers and people to five different locations, if you're including the analyst desk, that's technically a sixth stage. There's an exhibit hall for artists and you know everything going on there. So it's just the logistics of speakers, uh, sponsors, uh, just people moving through the venue. Uh, it's massive. I was on a scooter, and it would take to get from one end of the building to the other like eight to nine minutes. If you're you literally need it, it's, scooters. It's, <laughs> Yeah, literally. It, it, it's like a good like 20 minute walk and you're hustling. I was on a scooter. It took me like eight minutes to get from side, one building to the other. And I'm like booking it past people. Uh, yeah. We're going to need segues, by the way, guys. We'll be the uh, mall yeah, cops so. of the conference. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking roaming around on. I'm looking forward segues. to seeing what Crypto Cloaks has got in store for us. I don't know if you guys saw last night. They put a, a picture of a Magnum Sharpie marker up because last year 
their exhibit that they're in the you know the for their business was literally a piece of cardboard that they wrote crypto cloaks on with a magnum sharpie i think they're going to dazzle it up a little bit this year i'm really excited to see what they got and the other thing if you're logistically if you're coming to this conference get a hotel room now or better yet have gotten it already because i last minute decided to go last year and i think everything was like 800 dollars a night and i was like well fuck it i'm not doing that i stayed at a hostel and my, that's an experience i wouldn't recommend just yeah. not at all. People are in there turning the lights on at midnight, being assholes, being drunk. <laughs> stayed at a hostel. Don't do it. Don't if anybody's do it. wondering whether we're actually blue collar, there's your yeah, answer yeah, right I there. At Josh hostel, stayed at a man. fucking hostel. Uh, <laughs> I, and I wasn't there because I had a baby, um, which was the most wonderful thing in my life, but also sucked. He he robbed <laughs> me of that experience. Uh, you did. And, and the FOMO was through the goddamn roof for me. So if you're uh, if you're on the fence, get those tickets, folks, because they will go up, and uh, you will experience the same FOMO I had last year. If if you don't attend, yeah, I I think even better than the hotel is getting like an Airbnb with your meetup or a bunch of friends or people that you you know Absolutely. shoot the shit with online. Getting an Airbnb and makes it a little bit cheaper. The hotels in Miami are still a little expensive, even uh, there and about, but you can find a pretty good Airbnb. Should we auction off the couch we have left at our Airbnb? What do you think? What do you think <laughs> yeah. it can go for if we auction starting it off? At, starting at 15 grand. Um, <laughs> in terms of speakers, we actually, after the conference last year, I watched a ton of the conference remote, which my wife wasn't super happy about. We literally had like a four-day-old baby, and I was watching uh, Bitcoin 2022 uh, stages. But we actually went on uh, Millennial Investing Investors Podcast Network after Josh and I and with Clay Fink, we we talked through a lot of the the main panels and speakers at the conference, of which there were many. I was just diving back into my notes. The Sailor Kathy Wood chat, the Peter Thiel chat, the Samson Mao Mallers, that billionaire panel, and then Jordan Peterson. So many kind of amazing angles and themes. What are you guys most excited about from the speaker lineup here in 2023? Yeah, uh, I get I get start with that. Uh, we're having a huge energy focus. Uh, one of the biggest announcements that we had this year was obviously Shell is a sponsor for this conference, but not just B23. It's a multi-year deal. So we're really looking forward to having them uh, in the fold. Obviously, they're one of the biggest energy companies in the world. And, you know, definitely, uh, I wouldn't say punching above our weight, but we're excited to have such a big, well-known corporation coming into the fold. And, um, you know, they kind of understand the importance of Bitcoin and anything that they need from us at Bitcoin Magazine or BTC Inc. for learning more about this, you know, crazy bright orange technology and future, we're happy to provide. And we're looking forward to how they integrate. Specifically, they're going into the mining angle, as you guys can imagine, you know, dealing in oil and gas, using it for methane capture. Uh, they mainly, uh, their focus is like the solvents division. So kind of like using a, a solvent to help with uh, cooling. So specifically for Bitcoin miners and ASICs. Um, so yeah, it's really, really cool. And like I said, uh, I think it gives us more brand reputation as well as more relevance globally where like a company like Shell is, you know, coming to a conference like this and speaking. Wow. That's incredible. If I could just add on to that, you know, I, I want to, I want to talk about the content, but you know, a lot of people, you know, they're like a lot of like hardcore Bitcoiners, like I like this small community event. I prefer going to my meetup and like, that is amazing but the reality is is that like as bitcoin continues to grow like shell needs an outlet like these in these companies that are trying to get involved in this space they need a place to actually like learn about the space and interact with the space 
And like, right. that's why we make a conference that is of that echelon, right? So like that is really like the impetus for it. And you know, there are a ton of amazing Bitcoiners that are coming and we want those Bitcoiners to meet newbies, right? So we make an event that attracts newbies so that way they can go to a proper Bitcoin conference instead of going to a crypto conference or an NFT conference or whatever. Like we want them to come and meet Bitcoiners. We want them to see Bitcoin companies. We want them to see, you know, huge names in industry talking about Bitcoin. So that's kind of like what we do, what we do. Um, our agenda is coming out soon. Uh, like, you know, two weeks TM, you know, as the joke, it's actually going to be more like four or five weeks. Uh, but in terms of like the speaking lineup, one of my favorite builders in this space uh, is Arthur Hayes. And I know he's not the purest Bitcoiner in terms of like all the subjects he talks about. But if you go and look at BitMEX, especially when it was like this uh, like behemoth in the trading space, that business was pure BTC. And I actually wrote an article about this in Bitcoin Magazine back when I had time to write articles, but it's <laughs> called the, the Sovereign Company Thesis. And the whole point of the thesis was that if a company does the right things, it can become sovereign enough that it can resist governments. And BitMEX was a shining example. They only ran on Bitcoin. They held their own funds. The U.S. government sanctioned them. When the U.S. government sanctions a country, like the funds stop. Like you're Russia, your money's gone, right? Guess what? The withdrawals kept flowing on BitMEX, right? Like that's the power of Bitcoin. Like that's what Bitcoin does. So I'm so stoked to have Arthur there in person now that he's gotten over all his baloney in terms of like legal issues. And um, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to have an incredible conversation. He's going to say some really insightful things about the space. I'm really excited for him. CK, what you just said made, made me think of this. Like one of the dudes I met in the hostel, great guy from uh, Britain, he was there purely. I mean, he was there because he wanted to be at the conference, but this is a great networking event. Like if you want to get into the industry, if you want to talk to companies that if you want to get your face out there to work in Bitcoin, this is the best place I can think of to go to network with people, meet people, meet your, you know, meet the people you hear in the podcast you listen to, miss, uh, just meet people in the industry that can get you a job that maybe you've been seeking and get in front of them and um, get your face out there. Uh, this is a great opportunity for that. I can speak to that personally. Like we we spoke to or I spoke to face to face with a whole ton of people that I would have never met otherwise if it wasn't for that conference. And there is definitely something IRL that makes a huge difference. That was such yeah. a millennial thing to say right there. Yeah, it was. yeah, Dan, do you mind if I drop in real quick? Yeah, like uh, and to your point, um, we want to support not just companies and people coming to the conference, but we also you know promote a lot of the side events. Uh, I think the webpage is already up or going up shortly with a lot of our side events. So you can go to our website, check out many of the side events. So while you come to the conference, network with people there, network with companies, we also help promote a lot of the after hours things. You know, after six o'clock, who are you grabbing food with? Or what event do you want to go to? Or what speaker do you want to listen to after hours? Or what bar do you want to even meet up with? Uh, you know, even like other companies that throw events after hours. So definitely we really promote that. It's kind of the culmination or the mecca of, of Bitcoin. And we love just having Bitcoiners in real life meeting up and hanging out in real life as well. Yeah. Um, comment and then a question for you, CK. So you kind of alluded to it a second ago. One thing I think to expect at a conference of this magnitude and size is there's going to be tremendous diversity 
of of the people represented there. I mean, and you you hinted it to garner the attention of and get the involvement of huge multinational corporations as well as noobs, people that are brand new to Bitcoin. You're going to have a ton of people that haven't spent the the 2000 hours studying this and are and are hardcore way down the rabbit hole. You're going to have a lot of seekers or people that are interested, still skeptical, which I think is a wonderful thing. And But that's just going to come with a conference this size. And I think that overall should be invited and celebrated and expected when you go to an event like this. Um, having said that, one question I have about this conference is there's obviously going to be some degree of crypto diversity, but is that changed some from the last, the previous year? How much Bitcoin focus versus crypto in general, what's kind of the trend there? And I guess your high level thoughts on that and how to navigate that when you are doing a conference that's this big and, and necessitates this amount of diversity. No, I think that's a great question. And the reality is, is that like when it comes to companies that have to or want to be a part of our event and people that want to get on stage, uh, our rule is that this is a Bitcoin conference and we talk about Bitcoin. So you don't go to like a basketball conference and then talk about something else on stage like we we stay focused um you know in terms of like the learning curve of learning how to put on a great event um you know part of that is kind of making mistakes on the programming side you know one of the big mistakes that we've made over the years is not thinking through and managing content via the moderator so the reality is is that we get a, a wider range of people that need to be on stage and they have a wide array of uh, opinions. But in order to stay along our editorial focus, we need great moderators who can facilitate engaging, authentic conversation. So maybe so-and-so thinks that a multi-coin future is something that is reasonable. You know, we need to be able to facilitate an interesting conversation with them, you know, uh, authentically, uh, in a way that is both respectful and entertaining and with counterpoints that align with a more Bitcoin only perspective. So ultimately, you know, it's really about like being as thoughtful as possible when we're navigating kind of this big tent event. And one of the learnings was the way to do that is work with and recruit the best folks from the industry to be our partners as moderators. So that is a key distinction that we're making moving forward. And I personally believe it's going to be a massive improvement. And just to kind of give some insight into how big of an improvement it's going to be, before 2022, we never had a live stream that had like the commentary desk, which I think is like, it 10x is the live stream, right? It really makes it so much better. And it gives uh, our editorial team the ability to kind of comment on what happens on stage. It is working with the moderators in the way that we're going to be working with them moving forward is that level of an upgrade on both the, you know, actual content perspective, but also when people view it virtually, you know, their impression of the event as well. Something also that we learned that is really key is there's actually two events that are happening. There's the in-person event, which is extremely Bitcoin only. And when you look around, like there are very, very little shit coining that's happening within their control at the physical event. And then there is like the main stage only on industry day, what some person who might not be the most hardcore maxi says on stage, right? So there's this yeah. 
experience mm-hmm. that is only happening virtually that we also have to think through as thoughtfully as we did the in-person experience. So that those are kind of two big shifts that we're making in order to ensure that the quality is of the standard that our audience expects of us. And ultimately, like I told Lawrence a part of this at Bitcoin uh, Park, I think like a year ago, he was giving me some feedback and I was like, I get it. We're doing our best. And the reality is, is that we get one iteration a year to like learn these lessons. And every single time we've, you know, two or five X on the scale. So it's like, you know, I don't want to say give us a break, but at the same time, it's like we can only learn these lessons in stride. So like, you know, that was a lesson that we learned in stride and we are committed to creating the best experience possible. Dan and I have, we talked to Troy Cross uh, a couple of weeks ago and we really dove into Christianity quite a bit and the parallels to um, Bitcoiners wanting to only talk about Bitcoin or like putting the blinders on as far as everything else is concerned have a lot of parallel to Christianity, whereas like nothing else. I mean, you when you're in that sect or you're in that, you know, uh, ocean, you, you don't want to hear about anything else. But there is something to be said for having the ability to listen to other ideas without having to necessarily let them just bring down the entire house on your ideology you can still be exposed to them in a certain way. And I'm not saying you should do this. What I'm saying is it's kind of interesting when people just cannot be exposed to other alternate or alien ideas. Like you should be able to allow yourself to have an open enough mind to not only understand what other people are trying to tell you, maybe it doesn't agree with your ideology, but you should be able to at least work your way logically through it. And if your ideology still succeeds in the end, then maybe that was the right one for you. But it's it i don't know it's kind of telling when people completely and absolutely will not and cannot be exposed to something else otherwise their entire worldview collapses on themselves like it's um i think it's healthy in a way for people to be exposed to other ideas without you know throwing a tantrum amen um amen i want to respond to that thought and then i'll hand it to you alemo that there is a fine line here between giving a platform to scammers And also, on the flip side of that, creating arenas where ideas can be duked out and sharpened. And I cannot resonate more with your comments on Christianity, Josh. And they align very squarely with my upbringing in a conservative evangelical environment, me in undergrad studying Bible theology. They align with my perspective significantly, and that's that healthy religious perspectives and Christian perspectives are those that... They still may have tremendous conviction. They still may be totally sold out and adherent to and excited about their faith. But if you ever get to a point in religion, in Bitcoin, in politics, pick the arena where you are unwilling to engage in conversation with other thoughtful perspectives, that is a massive, massive warning sign that should be avoided. And we should reject that in Bitcoin. We should invite healthy and constructive debate with those of differing opinions and to, to distill this to last year's con, or I think it was last year, maybe it was 2021. Where, where was, which was the year when Elise Colleen had this response? I forget to who it was, but it was 21. It was in a, it was a 21. SPF. Yeah, that's a, our favorite. Yeah, so, so she, like, my, the point I'm making here is that one of my favorite parts of the, of the last two years of this conference is her responding to a different perspective, right? And if that different perspective hadn't been introduced, we wouldn't have gotten that gold nugget. And that's, you know, iterated, I'm sure, many times at these conferences. So there's that balance there. But at the end of the day, 
if we're just trying to create this total cacophony, this complete echo chamber where only certain ideas are allowed in, that's just as concerning to me as giving the platform to outright scammers. We have to strike some middle ground. I'll get off my high horse. Alema, what were you going to say a second ago? No, Dan, I think that's a great point. And I think it makes for some of the most entertaining content. Uh, you know, if we all are in agreement, we all agree, you know, you should uh, uh, self-custody your Bitcoin in a multi-sig distributed across the continent, you know, do all the right things by Bitcoin, but there's no controversy in it. You know, that makes for a pretty boring conference, especially for people that aren't on that same wave wavelength. Yeah. Uh, with the analyst desk, I mean, some of my favorite things were like someone was going on a rant on the main stage and then uh, Jimmy Jimmy Song had probably the best rip, but Greg Foss, both him and Jimmy uh, Song were like, what the hell is that? That's stupid. That's ridiculous. And him tearing apart. So I know many people on the stream were like, thank God for Jimmy. Thank you for Greg for like pointing out the idiosyncrasies of their argument or just the iteracy in general. Um, so I think it's you know, good to bring other ideas in and the controversy. I know, remember from uh, Bitcoin 2021, Caitlin Long and SBF. SBF was talking about leverage being so great. And Caitlin Long's like, I mean, if you want to blow yourself up, you can. And, you know, history writes <laughs> itself that aged, really well. It aged like, pretty uh, well, you know, it? Yeah, 18 months later, it's like, you know, learn your Mises and Hayek. And apparently SBF did not learn from them. So, uh, you know, lessons, uh, he, the, the market teaches everyone at the end of the day. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of people got taught that lesson without having to be the asshole taking the leverage themselves, which really sucks. And Dan and I know a couple, at least one person personally that got completely fucked in that situation. Yeah, it's, it's a really sad, sad thing, man. Yeah, I'll add to that. I mean, I think this is the best description of third party risk that everyone's any anyone's learned. Maybe aside from Enron, if you were involved in that, and I feel really bad for the employees of that. And then 2008, we were talking about the banking sector. Many people were not you know, they didn't have CDSs and then their counterparty risk was AIG. But like, it's unfortunate that people personally had to learn this on a personal level. I think the bailouts in 2008 kind of show like, oh, we just kind of papered over this and people didn't have to learn the hard way. I guess that's maybe one of the benefits of crypto. I, I hate to use that term, but like Bitcoin and crypto, like if you were not self-custing it yourself, you learn that the hard way. And then obviously with crypto, I see largely, you know, you could self-custody it, but if they change the rules on you, that is another way that you can get rug pulled. So that's kind of why we see Bitcoin and not crypto. And that's why you need to self-custody and not use third parties or limit your exposure to third parties. Uh, yeah, I'll just get off my high hires there. Yeah, no, I, I love it. Um, the other thing I was going to say is like, you just make observations when you've been in this space a certain amount of time. We haven't been in forever, but we've been in since 2017. And from the people we know and interact with, uh, unfortunately, in our view, the vast majority shitcoin before they kind of see the light. Um, we did back in, in 2017, and it, it's, a, it's been a learning progression. And I think a lot of people take that learning progression for granted. And that's back to, just to reiterate, like, let ideas duke themselves out. So if you've got people that see or kind of hold dear this multi-coin future idea, let that duke itself out on stage with good moderation with somebody that's got a different perspective. And let's see what that does and and how that marinates. And I think that that does help people learn because, yes, it's it's becoming more common to lead the horse straight to water, but it's... It's not the norm. Most people kind of go through this journey and progression and they end up hopefully at, at what in our view, which is just our perspective, is the best destination because that destination provides the most sustenance and holds the most logic and, and whatever. Yeah, it's um, a great filter, man. For sure. Here, I, I just want, I had one other curiosity with just logistics, CK. 
Um, what percentage of this company is this conference as the captain of this ship? Like what, what percentage of your employees and effort and time and energy goes into this one event? I mean, a lot. I think Chris can kind of talk about it, but it really is a team effort. Um, we are a startup media company. We're doing a ton of stuff, making the print magazine, doing daily online content in all of its forms, uh, and then putting on this massive event. I would say at this point, you know, we're like 40% doing Bitcoin magazine and 60% putting on the Bitcoin conference, but um, it really is a massive team effort and there's a lot of crossover. You know, Bitcoin Magazine is supporting the conference and helping um, and helping uh, make sure the Bitcoin Magazine audience knows that this is the ultimate place to meet other Bitcoiners, to network into the space. You know, as David Bailey likes to put it, it's the pilgrimage, right? So, you know, Bitcoin Magazine is kind of like this cultural uh, publication and a cultural figure in the space. And the Bitcoin Conference is the annual pilgrimage for us to all get together you know, everyone has their local event and, you know, maybe everyone does kind of like a smaller get together and uh, on an annual basis. And then everyone comes together in Miami for the Bitcoin conference. Yeah, I, I think that hits it nail on the head. I'd say it's like 50-50 split between the mag and the conference team. Uh, but in terms of like when we ramp up as we get closer, obviously it's like kind of 100% buy-in from the Bitcoin magazine team with supporting it, especially that, you know, the day of the event, everyone from the magazine team is working the event. So uh, it's kind of ramps up, but yeah, it's a, it's a good divide and we're here to support each other. The Bitcoin magazine e-commerce team, the ones that run our store and make sure we have like all these awesome hats and, and cool products, uh, they're working the physical in-person store at the event. The Bitcoin Magazine news team, they're reporting on the event. So um, it really is like all hands on deck when we actually get to the conference. As we transition away from talking about the conference here, do you gentlemen have any Bitcoin developments that you're primarily excited about at the moment? Anything ruminating under the surface that you guys want to talk about? Yeah, uh, I can start. Uh, I guess two of the ones that I'm really excited for, I mean, outside of Noster, I think Noster is a very, very cool oh, yeah, we'll uh, protocol. That. But um, two of the ones that stand out to me is OpVault. So that's by James O'Byrne. And then also uh, AnchorWatch, which is um, Rob Hamilton's company. So uh, I'll speak to OpVault first. So OpVault is a technical proposal. It would require a soft fork for, um, in order for it to get implemented. Um, right now, James was trying to do it using speedy trial, which is basically like giving it t in terms of to the miners. Uh, and there's a little bit of blowback because, uh, if you remember the last summer, some people were talking about with CTV, they don't want to rush or force changes into Bitcoin. Uh, obviously we saw with Taproot, uh, with ordinals and inscriptions, people can put JPEGs on the blockchain or as people joke, dick butts on the, uh, <laughs> the Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah. So what do you think Firehouse uh, Shooter is going to do with that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So, um, yeah, putting those on the blockchain, which was not a consequence that many people thought, but even though Taproot got implemented, it was one of the consequences of it. Basically, what OpVault can do is it allows uh, companies or allows to de-risk when you're cold storaging your Bitcoin. What do I mean by this? You're basically using uh, Taproot in order to say that, let's just say I have a multi-sig. We'll do a general multi-sig, two of three multi-sig, three different devices, and I separate them geographically. Well, in this case, let's just say two of those get compromised and I don't realize. And all of a sudden I'm checking my Bitcoin and all of a sudden some of it moves out of my cold storage. And I'm like, oh crap, like in a normal case, my Bitcoin would be gone. They you use fucked. two of the three keys and they're gone. OpVault allows this thing where there's a way to anti-rug yourself. 
So you're basically putting it into a vault and you can set the parameters of, let's just say, a thousand blocks or let's just say 2,000 blocks. You, you set a block limit and okay. then you put a new address that in the event that this happens, you have a master key that you can sweep to where it gets swept to. So let's just say someone uses your two of three and they send it out. Within that thousand block window, you can use your master key. It, you'd obviously have to hide this separate from your two of three multisig, but you yeah. can use this master key to sweep to a new address that you have control of that would prevent you from like, oh crap, someone compromised my keys. I sweep to the new address and then I can set up a new vault from there. I can leave it in the one of one, uh, you know, single sig. You can sweep it into a new multisig. So there's many different ways that you can do it and it prevents people from getting rugged when they get compromised. Obviously there's trade-offs to this. The master key is very, very valuable. So you're putting a lot more importance, but you can't just move out of the two of three multisig just with the master key. Like it would basically would need to move out and then you could use that key as a way to reverse that transaction. Wow. Not, not reverse, but yeah, it's kind of a way that would help custody for cu custodians or large uh, institutions, kind of a way of anti-rugging it basically, which is very, very interesting, uh, the implementations. Obviously you have to opt into this. It's an op code that you have to send and it would be in the, uh, the mini script of it all. The next one is for Anchor Watch, which is Rob Hamilton's company. It's using Miniscript. So you can do hierarchy of keys. So the same two or three multisig. Let's just say, uh, Dan and Josh, I'm going to give each one of you guys a key, and I have one key myself. That'd be kind of risky because you guys run the Blue Collar Bitcoin podcast. I have nothing against firefighters and nothing against you guys. But if you want to collude and take Chris Alamo's family wealth, you two yeah. can use two of the three keys, collude together, and pull my wealth out. Well, in uh, using the hierarchy of keys, my key would be considered a primary key. So you can only move with my key plus one of your keys. Mm. Or So even if you That's have both cool. of your keys, that doesn't work. It would need my key plus one of yours. Or in the event that you could uh, you like lose one of uh, your keys, that master key over time, could like it becomes a two of two instead of just a two of three. So over time, after 10 years, it degrades. You can use your two keys after two years. But basically, you're building in parameters that you gotcha. can use to move your Bitcoin after a certain amount. Uh, time. It's kind of similar to Oppo, but it's different. Rob Hamilton also has an insurance piece to it. So he's trying to build an insurance bit business and build insurance products on top of Bitcoin. Uh, right now, it's just kind of like fiat based is the way that they insure it. But in the future, he does have uh, terms to try and get it on more of a Bitcoin, Bitcoin only standard. But yeah, they're helping self custody and, you know, insure your Bitcoin for the long term. Uh, so those are kind of two proposals or two things that I'm really, really looking forward to that are going on in the Bitcoin space there. You know, some of them are well known or less well known. Yeah, both of those sound really, really interesting. The first one you were talking about where there's a master key that could override everything. So um, the only seeming weakness in that is that you do have that one master key. So it is effectively still multi-sig. So you could still sign with multiple signatures. But if you lose or those are compromised, you still have one. If I'm correct, that master key is going to move everything no matter what. Is that accurate? It, it, it only comes into play once the once the vault's been empty correct? Uh, yeah. So it comes into play. You can set a parameter. So like if it's below one Bitcoin coming out of there, that's fine. The master key can't come into play. But if someone's sweeping oh, okay. all of it or, you know, uh, something like that, you have time to reverse it basically. Wow. And, you know, I'm about to make a probably a stupid sounding generic Bitcoin comment. So apologies in advance. But um, it just every time I and I'm learning, so I'm learning about this new shit every single week. You know, it's not even every single month, every single week, there's a new piece of tech that Josh and I are like, holy crap, that's cool. Um, and, and it's just a testament. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stay on this topic guys, here if we no, have more. There's a, no innovation in Bitcoin. Okay, guys, None. it's, it's Boomer yeah. coin. 
tortoise token. It's not moving at all. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I we're going to talk about Noster before this conversation is over, but the, the theme of, and I, I mentioned this piece a lot on this show, but Andreas Antonopoulos' piece from years ago, why, why Dumb Networks Are Better. And the fact, the idea that it, it, simplicity at the center allows for complexity at the edge. I mean, the amount of opportunity and potential that exists on a protocol that's as simple as Bitcoin. And we're just, you know, the, the examples you just gave are just, you know, custody, financial infrastructure tech. But this thing is going to become as usable as we need it to be, you know, as as grandmother proof as you want it to be. It's going to become that in the future. And you just watch that being built out in front of our eyes. And it's it's not only amazing developments and teams building, but also a testament to what they're building on and the profundity and the impact and the significance of a simple, scalable, open source, workable, useful protocol. It's it's just magnificent to watch. Yeah, and that parlays really well into Noster itself, which is, again, it's, it's kind of using this decentralized technology that Bitcoin has brought to the forefront, and it's doing it now with social media and without a token, which is probably the most significant thing about all of this. Like, be, you know, in 2017, somebody would have invented Noster and put a, a token on it. But now, like, I think we've finally gotten past this this hurdle where people are trying to just scam everybody to the nth degree. Um, obviously the developers of Noster understand that and aren't scumbags, but the fact that this thing is basically making a Twitter competitor that as far as I can see playing with it myself and Dan, I think you agree. It's pretty damn good. I mean, other than the fact that media can't really be stored on it that well because you're decentralizing this and therefore you have to, really keep to a very minimum of how much media goes on this thing. It can be it can be done in a third party manner at this point. But other than that, the text, the speech, the important stuff, getting the point across that you want to do in an uncensored way is, I would argue, the most important thing about social media. I mean, we all love watching, you know, girls flash their ass on Instagram, but we all want to be able to have our speech uncensored and that is essentially what this is. This is decentralized speech that can't be censored by anybody. And it is in the wild right now. And people are building on it. And it's a dumb protocol, just like Bitcoin. And, and at it the edges, it's by Bitcoiners. It was built exactly. by Bitcoiners too, which I think it bodes well for the future that Bitcoiners are the ones who are making these moves. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Bitcoin is completely incorporated into it, into it because it was built by Bitcoiners. So, um, one thing I know we want to talk about and kind of explore, which is zapping. This is kind of, at least and as far as I'm concerned, in the last two or three weeks, it seems like this has become a huge thing. Um, and my understanding of it, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's effectively just lightning transactions, but integrated in the protocol itself. Uh, so you can zap people back and forth without necessarily having to create an invoice. Um, either you guys want to build on that. I mean, I haven't had a lot of time to really dig into this yet, but tell us what zapping is. Yeah, I'll jump into it. Um, I mean, zapping, zapping for me has made me more than ever want to like really get kind of down and dirty with lightning. Um, and honestly, like I personally feel like Bitcoin is exponential in that way. So we haven't talked about ordinals and inscriptions yet. I'm sure I have an unpopular opinion uh, from uh, some of the audience here about them. We're gonna get. But we're gonna on the Noster side. Like I'm so effing bullish. Like it is insane. 
And the reality is, is like, look at all of these social media networks that are like trying to figure out how to turn into money businesses. They're trying to make their own token. They're trying to add payment processors and like Domus, which is one client on, on Nostra that just got approved the app store like a month ago. Like they already have payments, right? Like they already have like this magic of internet money. And it's going to show like when you adopt Bitcoin, you're going to be able to outpace your competitors in really legitimate and substantial ways. And I think that that's showing a little bit when it comes to Noster. And like you said, Dan, like the beauty of small uh, protocols are simple protocols. But like once you start compounding these protocols, like that is fire. That is magic. That's the future. And, um, you know, I, I personally am bullish on Noster. I think that if Twitter is going to survive through this decade, it's going to have to be built on Nostr. You can quote me here. So when they do t- the real Twitter 2.0, it's either built on Nostr or it's dead on arrival, honestly. So right now, Twitter's broken to shit, has the network effects that it's bleeding out. And I am I'm very interested to see if, if uh, Elon is going to adopt open source technology or keep going proprietary. Uh, and I think that's going to be the story of social media for this decade. Man, you just went cosmic on us, man. I knew it was coming and there it was. It hit, hit hard. Um, beer number two brought the cosmic out of you. Here, here's what I want to say in follow up to that. At the end of the day, Bitcoin works. We've been talking in the last couple of months about this thing is fucking useful and it's useful as hell. And its usefulness is going to be exponential, right? So the days of like, what does this thing do? Those are over, but they're still in public discourse, but they're going to be completely over soon. And this is just, we're just going to draw one application here. Uh, the first, the first after we enabled Zaps, I sent like a funny meme and we made 10 bucks off of it worth of Bitcoin, right? Just the first fucking time we did it, right? Um, we're a tiny fish. My point is, as as content creators, as authors, as social media influencers, whoever they are, start to realize that there's this thing over here with this budding social media economy that just works and scales and whatever, that's going to be very appealing and extremely hard to resist. That's the current you're speaking to, CK, that's going to be extremely hard to reverse. And that is back to, as you as you hinted at, the beauty of protocols that work that can integrate, right? You've got on one side, a workable value transfer protocol. On the other side, you've got a, a notes and messaging protocol. And here they connect without having to fabricate one or the other. And it is remarkable the speed. And Josh, you said this of, of just how quickly this has started to scale just within the Bitcoin community, but and then just how workable it is. I'm using it on Android. I've used a couple different clients and they work marvelously well. And that's what really has my jaw on the floor of like, wow, this looks, feels, and operates like social media and it's it's decentralized and it incorporates lightning. I'm thinking to myself, if I'm Elon Musk and I'm looking at what's going on right now and I just spent $40 billion on Twitter, I don't know, man. Like I allowing that to bleed into Noster, allowing that to happen basically means that you just took took forty billion dollars and threw it in a garbage can and, and lit it on fire. Because the, I I'm trying to picture how he can still monop or manage to make money out of it and make it a profitable business. I don't think he can. 
is the point. So they're firing people left and right, man. <laughs> I know, I know. What I'm saying though is um there's no way he's gonna open it up to like be a Noster client. There's no way. Because it's either A, you allow it to bleed itself to death and maybe you can pull your forty billion dollars out of it, or B, you open up the Noster and you guarantee you bleed your forty billion dollars out of it. I don't really see a a C option there. How about I mean Correct me if you think you have another option for there. I don't really see it. Yeah, I mean, I think he, Elon even tweeted recently. He was like, I'm running the world's largest nonprofit in the world, um, which I thought was really, really funny. <laughs> I didn't see that tweet. No, yeah, he tweeted out. I was like, oh, at least he's making fun of himself. I give him props. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. bet against Elon, but he definitely uh, is going up against a lot. Um, I think with the Noster of it all is it's free and open source protocol. We've talked about that. And then just the, the ease, you can zap, you know, fractions of a penny to someone and just the ease of use of it is just so mind boggling. Um, I forget where I was going to go with this, uh, but the, yeah, I, I just don't think they have a, a money protocol built into it and it's, it, they're going up against a lot. And like, to your point, Josh, it's going to be very hard for them to make them profitable. Uh, it's kind of the race against open source, basically. Also like the, the Jack Dorsey story, uh, is really compelling really really compelling on the Noster front i mean you're looking at the guy who created twitter and is uh, is very publicly attesting to the fact that he believes it's broken and he's he's the god of twitter he's the one that thought it up and invented it and and put it into play and he's saying it's a broken model and he's obsessed with Noster. if that's not kind of a little bit of a narrative nail in the coffin I, I don't know what is. Also, mainstream media is not reporting on it though. They'd rather just no. dunk on Elon and uh, and get mad at him for not censoring. Yeah, I I, I remember what I was going to say too. Elon basically shot himself in the foot. Remember when a couple weeks ago he's like, "Hey, we're going to start like uh, not boosting or censoring uh, people that tweet about other platforms." Yeah. And it was interesting that he listed like Facebook, Instagram. And then he listened Noster. He didn't include TikTok, which I thought was very, very interesting because I think TikTok's eating a lot more clients' lunch. But like he mentioned Noster, and basically it's the Streisand effect of like, right. oh, like what's this platform? It blew that, up like, after that. Yeah, yeah. There was less than ten thousand users, and Will's like, "Yo, relays are getting like burnt out. Like no tomorrow." <laughs> because when Elon was like, "Yo, we're banning Noster," everyone's like, "What the hell is this protocol? It must be something that Elon's tweeting about." Apparently, so. that was bigger than. That, sorry, I uh, didn't mean to interrupt, Josh. Apparently, that was bigger than Jack like publicly endorsed it and jumping on it was the it was a streisand effect from the twitter ban or inclusion on the twitter ban list that really like got the catalyst going yeah i don't want to don't get me wrong like I'm, I'm an elon fan like as far as i'm concerned like he's been a, a force for good for the most part in the world and just the fact that he released all those twitter files and all the other shit that he did like he clearly um has i i think it's pretty clear that he does want free speech to proliferate but I just don't think it was a sound business decision to do what he did with Twitter. Like, I think he fucked up in a major way. He's stuck between a rock and a hard place. CK, you just messaged on the message here. It's the innovator's dilemma. It's like he's got to keep fish in the tank, right, to, to have seafood for dinner. But the tank's bleeding out and the fish want into freer open waters. And uh, that is... That's a trick bag, especially when you've when you've sunk that much capital. The other thing I wanted to say, you mentioned relays a second ago, Alamo. The the relay component to this, and we've spun this up with our with our start nine embassy OS nodes, 
and and doing that is like holy shit it's an example of this this compounding decentralized open source protocol effect right you're running a bitcoin node already well guess what uh with the the right software that can now be a nostra relay with with no work right and there there's the compounding decentralization effect on nostr because of bitcoin and that's powerful yeah giving a shout out to to your sponsor start nine i mean i think matt hill's episode i mean the episode you guys had with him was great and i know he's a sponsor of your podcast but like he's basically talking about you know what, what, what was the quote from earlier the simpler you know the better and the better developments that you can have but basically he's talking about everyone running their own server and i think a lot of the original cypherpunks and even a lot of the original cryptographers or IT guys thought that yep. the internet was going to be very peer-to-peer. And then we kind of went into a centralization model mm. because convenience is, it's much more convenient and user-friendly. People don't want to learn these things. But I think we've finally gotten to the point, if 2020 wasn't, you know, the, the start of this, that you realize at the edge of convenience, there are a lot of trade-offs that people exactly. start to realize in exactly. all of these and different just, things. It's kind of like politics, you know, it swings one way very very far and then the pendulum inevitably has to swing the other way because it's just gotten insane and then it'll inevitably go too far that way but the cypherpunks at the origination of all of this were you know running their own servers they were the the people that actually had the understanding to do that most normal the weebs like us don't know how to do that kind of stuff dan and i i'm talking about um but they've Me made too. it start nine has made it so easy like you just you almost can't do it. You can't not do it. If you have the ability, if you have the hardware, you might as well do it. I mean, it's all just handed to you right now. All you, you don't have to know how to do shit. I remember like four years ago, I was trying to run a Bitcoin node and it took a whole bunch of command line shit that I was like copy and paste, copy and paste. And all it takes is one character to be wrong and the whole thing is fucked. Now it you don't even have to do that. It's just push a button, hit like download and start. That's really it's easy as that. Like there's no real excuse not to run your own server at this point. Yeah, and and even I know many Bitcoiners say not your node, not your privacy. And I think running your own node, it kind of opens up like the server model, like exactly like Matt was saying. Like I do think exactly, and I've I've said as well that like running your own node is basically going to be like running your own modem and router. Everyone mm. does it. I don't know how they freaking work, but I plug them into the wall. I right. plug them into the cables in and I just, you know, power it on. And we're good to go. I mean, I think that's the level of ease of use people are getting to. And you're going to have to. It's going to be important for your family's wealth, for your privacy, for, you know, just peer to peer connections. And like I said, realize that it gets, it's endless, the things that you can do, hosting your own passwords, password manager, whatever it may be. I want to say one more thing about just the server thing, because I think it's really important. This is where like mission matters and you have to talk to people that are below you. Like the, like speaking to Hill and start nine, this guy is a, a, an intimidatingly smart individual, but he, his mission is to make this shit accessible to fucking firefighters. Right. And we, for this shit to work, that, that that has to be the case. You can be on nerd chats all day long saying how cool stuff is. If isn't if it is not relatable and practical and implementable for the average pleb, it is not going to take over the world. And that's where I totally agree, CK, with what you typed a second ago. Bitcoin is the catalyst for the personal server revolution. Like it is. As as people start seeing, okay, it's this easy to start a Bitcoin node. And now I can start a Nostra relay and I can take control of my passwords and my messaging and all this stuff. You have like Bitcoin is the Trojan horse for freedom in the digital age. In a lot of ways, it's the inroad for people to fire up these computers that can do all these things. But these computers need to be able to be fired up 
by average folk. Absolutely. And there's nothing like sending one of your friends a dick pic on burn after reading. Totally. There's nothing that hits like that. Nothing at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, they, they, uh, Josh they just and need I to build in zaps. They got to build in zaps so that just, way it's truly wait, incentivized. Wait, wait, wait. I want to make sure that we're on the level here. I'm not talking about actually my dick pic. I went and found another one. So of that's, course, that's where we're sure, at. Yeah. Josh, Josh sure. and I are happily married to women. No judgment for those that are are uh, attracted to men, but Josh and I are happily married to women. I know there's some yep. question marks on that, Josh. We joke on this show. We literally are. I think our wives are starting to wonder. We spend so much time with each other. I get I think it. They're, uh, they're starting to wonder about that Airbnb we're going to get to go to Bitcoin 2023. At least yeah. we have a third wheel coming with us to make sure that we uh, it's not the case. You know? Yeah, we're bringing a buddy with us, Ryan from work. Shout out to Ryan. Cool dude. Hardcore Bitcoiner. He's just going to kind of lurk in the background. He's going to be our security guard. Let's hang out. Uh, for the conference. He's going to make sure we don't get too drunk. He's going to keep us on the level. <laughs> You guys are going to be dragging him back to the Airbnb. <laughs> Josh, go ahead before um, I interrupted you. Oh, no, no. I wanted CK, I know CK wanted to talk about ordinals or uh, his perspective on them. And I'm interested because it's it's another one of those things that's popped up recently that I, if I'm honest, like I'm not real up on it. It's just so much shit to keep up on. Like, give us a lowdown real quick on ordinals. Tell us what you think of them um, and uh, about, you know, putting our dick pics on the Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah, so I mean, I have I'm on record saying that 2023 has been the most impactful year in Bitcoin history. Period, and I think it's because the combination of Noster and inscriptions. And I don't actually give a shit about NFTs whatsoever. The idea that there is this new element to Bitcoin's base chain economic incentives that are getting miners this excited and that gives people this amount of flexibility and what they can do with Bitcoin and is attracting this much outside talent or outside talent and interest into Bitcoin is extremely, extremely bullish. I can think of like 50 different ways in which content producers can now leverage Bitcoin to now put their content into permanency period. And no one can do anything about it if they're willing to pay the economic cost for that. And maybe that's one sat for bite right now. But guess what? Sats are getting more are getting more valuable into the future too. So even if it stays at one sat per byte, like that hurdle is increasing. And that's the whole point of Bitcoin is it's creating economic incentives to do things. So uh, I'm extremely bullish, and I you know I kind of want to poke at some Bitcoiners because sometimes Bitcoiners don't know something bullish when it smacks them right in the face. You know we need to be open minded here. We are in the monetary motherfucking dark ages. You are an idiot. I'm an idiot. We need to be humbled to the fact that we don't know how Bitcoin's going to work. This revolution's just starting. So stick your opinions into your heart. Figure out how to grapple with the reality of consensus. Know that Bitcoin doesn't give a shit about what you think and that it's going to keep marching on. So you can either figure out how to do things aligned with Bitcoin's consensus and do things that are open to what is actually happening on the market, or you can get mad. And personally for me, like I actually believe that everything is good for Bitcoin. Uh, so, you know, I don't actually care that people are putting something on, on the Bitcoin blockchain right now because that's what the incentives allow for it. And to beyond that, I can see far enough into the future 
where Bitcoin's actually adopted as money. And we can do the math and it's going to be just fine. Like we already know that the economic density of a transaction matters if this thing is money. So why are we getting mad? Like, why are you getting butter? Like, this is just part of the ride. So I know that, you know, these are some tough words, but pack it up. It's going to be okay. And honestly, I really do think the people who actually love Bitcoin more than they hate NFTs, they're going to realize that this is a massive, massive change into Bitcoin's economic structure, the ability of what Bitcoin can do. And we are living living in the world of censorship. So don't fucking DM me and say, check out BitTorrent, because that's not Bitcoin. That's not as permanent as Bitcoin. So I'm thrilled and excited for this change. I think Bitcoiners should be thrilled and excited for this change. I think Bitcoiners should be thrilled and excited for things that happen to Bitcoin in a market basis that are within its consensus rules. And I think that Bitcoiners should be open to the idea that a new paradigm has been changed and opened within Bitcoin. So just like Nostr is a massive step forward, so are inscriptions. So are the ability to make permanent large amounts of data on Bitcoin. And it's really, really interesting to how this changes the economics on a macro scale. So I'm going to get off my uh, my soapbox, but I really do. I, like Sometimes I'm pissed off at Bitcoiners. I'm like, what do you love more? Do you love Bitcoin or do you hate NFTs more? Because I love Bitcoin more. Okay. I don't actually like people are stupid. Yeah, duh. People are fiat minded. Yeah, duh. They're going to do some dumb ass shit before they figure out what this technology can actually do. Yeah. CK, I thought you were going to tell them to, to take it and not shove it in their hearts, shove it somewhere else. Yeah, but, uh, I thought you were going there too, honestly. I was kind of waiting for it, lying and waiting on it. But yeah, if you want to, you know, throw your dick pic on, on Bitcoin and pay for it, like, that's fine. The miners would love to collect your uh, your sats so yeah. that you're, you know, so that can stay infamous on the internet forever. Let the, the, let the ordinal NFT cock smack you across the cheek. Josh is basically <laughs> that's exactly what I, that's I exactly heard. what I was thinking. Were you going to yeah. say something, Alema? Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say that um, I do think that this is bullish for Bitcoin. I mean, we're talking about freedom money here. You know, people can do whatever they want with their money if they want to inscribe, you know, their dick put dick pits, dick butts, whatever it may be on the Bitcoin blockchain. They can. They got to pay the fees for that. I know some people were kind of mad that there is a discount for putting it in the witness data versus main chain. It's like, you know, a 75% discount for doing so. But this does not scale. I mean, many people that I was listening to, someone did a four megger and, you know, normally transaction fees when you look at them are anywhere from $2,000 or a few hundred dollars when it's empty all the way up to about 4,000. The four megger in terms of fees was about $18,000, almost a full Bitcoin to inscribe, you know, the whole freaking block. So yeah, I mean, if you want to do that, you're going to run out of Bitcoin way faster yeah. than uh And the than network's anything. glad to take it. They're glad to it, take it from you, whatever you want. I mean, however much you want to spend to put your, you know, angry ape or, oh, no, bored ape. I'm sorry. Like, it's been so long already. What are those things yeah. worth now? Like three cents or three yeah. sats? I mean, <laughs> yeah. seriously. Oh, I mean- to, to that point too, like, I mean, it's just good for the network. It's, it's good for, I know the security budget. And I think Casey's brilliant with what he did. He's a hardcore Bitcoiner, as many people know. I mean, he's done commits to Bitcoin core and such, but Casey was even brilliant. He was uh, orange pilling the crypto people. They, in order to run ordinals, or at least the, uh, the ordinals inscription software that he has, 
you have to run a full node. So he, this year, caused more people to run Bitcoin nodes than probably anything in history. Matt O'Dell can punch you in the face and say, you know, not your node, not your privacy. And it takes like people getting NFTs on the blockchain to have <laughs> thousands of clear nodes appear in the clear net. So I yeah. think he's orange billing it. And then even him and uh, Rob Hamilton basically created a way to boor burn board apes. I think it's called the Teleburn, where you literally send your Bitcoin cryptographically or your uh, board ape to a burned ETH address where it gets burned forever. And then you just basically create the first inscription of whatever that picture is, you know, right click copy and then put it on the Bitcoin uh, blockchain through an inscription. And uh, Jason Williams is the famous one for doing that. So he literally took like a half a million dollar board ape or a million. I don't even know the price of them, but basically a, a hundred thousand board ape burned it and then put it on Bitcoin inscriptions. He is the first technically board ape on inscriptions, which is really, really cool. And they can cryptographically verify that his old board ape is not on ETH anymore. And it's fully on Bitcoin. Uh, I think many of the ETH people are pissed about that. But, you know, all incentives lead to Bitcoin. Sacrifices to the Bitcoin God. It's our version of the action Aztecs here in the Bitcoin community. You know, this system, I, I just like, I get pissed when Bitcoiners aren't humble. Like this system is so much more complex than what you can even grok uh, that you just have to be humble to that. Um, it's just a lot, a lot bigger. And I think that it's bad for the Bitcoin community to get too self-righteous about itself and to know too much about how Bitcoin should work or ought to work. And like the basic heuristic here should be like, does this fit within the consensus rules? You know, like people like, oh, well, I went back and I was part of no, no S2 or uh, no 2X or no Segwit 2X. I blocked the big blockers. That's great. You know, that was a change that was against the consensus rules. So you're on the right side of history. Now right. we're talking about you're mad about something within the consensus rules. And I, I, I like that's the only heuristic that we can settle on that, you know, you can have trust in without, you know, putting in your own bias. So it's just about humility. And that's also why you need to get more bullish because you need to be humble about how dumb you are in terms of evaluating where Bitcoin's going to go into the future. But that also has to do with changes to Bitcoin, changes to the incentive structure, how we're going to navigate this into the future. Like consensus is like the physical network consensus is the only objective thing here. Mm, man, um, you make me think of a couple things, CK. The first one is, you know, we had Troy Cross on here the other week and he had a quote on with Peter McCormick recently, something to the effect of the future of Bitcoin is largely unknown. All about all we can say about it is it's powerful and his point was basically that it's such a fundamental building block that estimating where it's headed is nearly impossible. It also reminds me of Jordan Peterson last year at Bitcoin 2022. He said this quote, paradigm shifting tech and discoveries rarely behave the way that we anticipate. Um, be ready for this protocol to surprise the shit out of you uh, and be humbled by that and don't set some agenda for this globally open source decentralized protocol the incentives will protect the consensus mechanism and and the base rules and whatever you want to do inside of that have at it i totally agree yeah. the other comment from an economic perspective about ordinals is i would say let's just zoom out does bitcoin work as a meaningful global sediment layer 
does it work as a protocol for transferring significant value in the 21st century or does it not? If your answer is yes, it does, then it's safe to assume long term that block space is going to be used to its full capacity is the first thing I would say. The block space is going to be full at some point in the future. And and I would also say if there is one truly robustly decentralized censorship resistant immutable blockchain, that being Bitcoin, my best guess, and maybe it's just because I'm looking at it through a finance econ lens, but my, my overwhelming hunch is that it is going to be hogged by a monetary language. There may still yeah. be room for crazy wealthy people to to burn board apes, but I think if it does what we think it's going to do and it fills the gap that we talk about being so wide and the problems that exist in the world being as significant as they are, I think that it's going to continue to serve a monetary purpose. I don't know if that makes sense. <clears throat> it does. That was really well said. Uh, there's two things I want to leave off with here. Number one is that these people that have NFTs, they anyone who's an intelligent, which I think there are probably few of them in the NFT space, but you never know. Maybe I'm completely being an asshole, but they're going to realize that Bitcoin's the best place for them because it's the one with the most robust network, the one that is the best place to put your NFT if you want it to proliferate into, you know, and for, for the longest period of time. Because I don't think most of these other networks are going to be around for more than maybe a few years to a decade. The other thing is that predicting the future. If you read sci-fi at all, which I'm a I'm a pretty big sci-fi fan, you read books from like the 50s, like um, I'm thinking to think of a good like Dune or something like um, um, the Moon is a Strange Mistress or something like that. Like there's a ton of really good things. There's a lot of things they get right extrapolating from their current technology to the future, but there's a massive amount they get wrong. I mean, just think of. Um, Doc Brown and Back to the Future. That was 1985. They were predicting mm. in like 2020 there's going to be hoverboards and flying cars. If you if that's your only reference to sci-fi stuff, but the point is is that most of this stuff people just extrapolate the current predicament into the future based on the timeline they kind of see and in their own perspective of things which they can't predict. The future is going to be much different than we think it is going to be. Mm. There's no way we're going to predict it. And even the best sci-fi authors like Arthur C. Clarke and all those people didn't predict a lot of the things 30, 40 years ago that are happening today because there's divergent things that happen unforeseen to them. And there are definitely those things that are going to be happening unforeseen to us. So temper yourself and stay humble as uh, we've referenced uh, multiple times during this. So um, we have no clue what the future holds. We have some idea, but 90% of it is completely in the fog at this point. But I think Bitcoin's going to be there. Such a great point. Um, man, we could go for a lot longer. We won't. Uh, CK, how many beers did you get through during this time? Are we? I'm almost done with two. I think the the second beer definitely came through at the end. I'm sorry I got a little heated there, but I just hate it when Bitcoiners. <laughs> That's what the show is for, dude. When, well, when Bitcoiners disrespect their principles, like I'm just so principled on, I love permissionlessness and I love Bitcoin. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I agree, and and I really like the distinction that you drew between is it within the parameters or not? Like the fork wars were a different thing. That was going to be a hard fork, totally different conversation taken out of context. I think that's a an, an unfair comparison. And um, yeah, I I don't know. I'll, I'll stress the point I made a second ago. If you're actually concerned 
that NFTs are going to usurp the monetary use case of Bitcoin, then the monetary use case of Bitcoin isn't as significant as we all thought, is, is sort of the way that I think yeah. it through. Um, closers, gentlemen, what do you want to say before we we call this an evening? Maybe we'll start with you, Alemo. What do you got? Yeah, no, just thanks for having me on, guys. Love this show. Love listening to it. Uh, I hope I, you know, we put up a good episode, CK and myself. Um, but Always. yeah, looking forward, looking forward to seeing people at Bitcoin 2023. I'll speak for myself, but I know CK is probably twice as busy as I. If you see us at the conference, please come hello, uh, say hello to one of us. Uh, we might be running around with our heads cut off, but, um, you know, it's it's a great event. We love hosting it, and it's truly like a privilege to put on this event. I really mean that. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can grab a beer afterwards. I know I'm going to be exhausted, but, you know, the the event, the hype of being with Bitcoiners, you know, I try and keep the party going all night long and into the day. So uh, thanks so much for having us. Oh, and if you haven't ordered your tickets already, use BCB23. I know that's your promo code. Uh, so yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing everyone. Yeah, the same goes for us. We'd love to meet anyone who listens to our show. And uh, we're always down for a beer. CK, oh, yeah. what are you most looking forward to for this vacation? Oh, man. So uh, I'll dox my vacation a little bit. I'm going to Argentina. So uh, incredible stakes, going to Patagonia, going to experience the glaciers uh, and uh, some other awesome nature. So it's been a long time. I'm a big, I'm a big backpacker. Uh, I think nature is a lot of my inspiration for how I view Bitcoin. And uh, I've, it's been a long time since I backpacked. So I'm not going backpacking to Argentina, but gonna go do some uh some hardcore hiking if you will so really hyped for that that sounds awesome have a blast uh we appreciate both you guys you'll be on here again we appreciate the mag and we're we're pumped to get down and and see you guys in miami thanks for joining us thanks so much for listening to the episode folks if you're appreciating our content and smelling what we're stepping in here at bcb pod here's a couple notes to pay attention to as we close out First, you can genuinely help us extend our reach by leaving us a review on Apple or your podcast app of choice, as well as subscribing to our Blue Collar Bitcoin YouTube channel, where we post videos of these discussions as well as other shorts. Second, we are live on Podcast 2.0 apps. Our go-to app for listening to pods is Fountain App. Literally get paid sats for just listening to podcasts. There is no catch. You can also stream sats to content creators on the Lightning Network on Fountain, as well as create and share clips with the Fountain community. Go find us on the Fountain app, link down in the show notes. Third, we are active on social media, most predominantly Twitter, at blue underscore collar BTC. We're also on Noster, Instagram, and TikTok. All of these links are on our website, bluecollarbitcoin.io. If you want to get in touch with us, our email is bluecollarbitcoinpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, continue a relentless and open-minded pursuit of knowledge. Take care.